This week's episode is brought to you by Colt 45 and Bananas, Breakfast of Champions. Hey, what's going on? This is Tay, the former co-host of Keep It Basement with the Sweens. I see the boy Sweens done blew up without me. You are tuned in to Keep It Basement and keep it locked here. Yeah. More fire. Come on, man. I'm too Hollywood for this podcast. Yeah, I heard you tried to get bitches to the crib. That didn't work, obviously. And then your bum-ass intern, very unreliable and unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> Culture. I feel like I'm part of the hip hop culture, but I don't know where I stand, and I feel weird about it. He's like you should. Like I'm like marginal. All right, Sweeney, I'm gonna see you later. Stay black. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's not so bad. There we have it, folks. Keep it, <laughs> keep it, basement podcast. Time to make my move. Sweet taste of victory, like Oprah's Bugatti. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Outdoor access, and it's like a state that's um, pretty safe, relatively, you know? Very yeah. few cases or whatever, so... You fled the city. <laughs> yeah, dude, I got out early. I mean, I I, 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 I saw that this was going to be rough, so, really? yeah. Yeah, I was one of those idiots who didn't really take it, take it too I took serious. it seriously the whole time. Until the quarantine really kicked in. yeah. Yeah, how you guys doing? Good. Yeah, we're all right. It's pretty bad by us, so I, like I don't, you know, haven't been New doing Jersey. much, obviously. But oh, you're are you guys both in Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You're Jersey. actually you were you were supposed to perform at the comedy club uh, in in June, Stress Factory. You live right by there. Oh, I'd for, I'd forgotten that I even had that gig. Jesus. It's yeah. a good club. It is. I've I've played it before. I love that place. Um, but yeah, I, you know. Who knows when that'll be rescheduled for? Yeah, it doesn't yeah really. Happen. And then you were supposed to do Skankfest, right? And uh, what was that, the uh, March? Or was it April? Yeah. Uh, this month? 
Yeah. Um, that was for yeah, Austin, exactly. Texas, right? Or no? That was in Houston. In, uh, Houston. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So not, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> we'll see when that'll come back. I mean, those guys are crazy. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they're uh, not too not too worried about it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> some places are trying to let. Some places were trying to push stuff, and like I know, I know some comics who have dates at like the end of June are still like optimistic and stuff. But I don't, I don't think it's gonna be. Dude, it's it's crazy. You know? I I got booked for um. I got booked to do uh, Zany's Nash or Zany's Chicago for a weekend in um, God. It must have been like I don't know June or something. And then yeah. obviously they were like, "Okay, well this isn't going to happen." So then they rebooked it for for July. <laughs> and I was like, "What are you guys doing? This is ridiculous." Well, they're saying, like, some places are saying there can't be live anything until 2021. Like, yeah, any, any group, you know, any live. Uh, once I saw Rogan coach. cancel for the fall, I knew it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's canceling, you know, arenas. So, <laughs> slightly different ball and game, Chappelle I would tour. say. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, so, arenas are not good. Arenas yeah. will be the last place that can come back. Um. Yeah. But oh well. Um, how are you guys making do? What are you? Uh, what What's your day to day like? Um, I mean, I'm just trying to keep myself busy. You know, I, I work for a few places here and there, like sporadically, and I'm just trying. We're trying to keep the podcast consistent since everyone just does live and Zoom now. Obviously, it kind of gets a little annoying. The quality is shittier right. though. Yeah, yeah. Sh- shittier quality, but we're still trying to just be consistent. And then you know, write. I guess. Do you know? Makes do total sense. Stuff. Yeah. What else? Um, you know, what else that's is kind of all you can do. We don't have uh, a studio like Schultz or Rogan. But dude, you guys are in good shape. That's very lucky that you have jobs that can take up the time of day. Like that's the biggest thing keeping me sane. Oh, I was just gonna say you do stuff for Bro Bible. We- yeah. So just kind of writing full time for them, um, which great. is a saving grace. I feel very lucky to have anything to do right now. Frankly. Yeah. I yeah, see they got some stuff cool. online though. Dude, the yeah, the masters thing you did was hilarious. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, just you know, Instagram shit, using my family, whatever Pretty I can. Innovative. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Keep a basement podcast. We got Francis Ellis from Oops Podcast, Bro Bible again. Thanks for coming on again, dude. We really appreciate it. Obviously via Zoom, live from Maine, which is probably one of the <laughs> better options to be in this country, along with like fucking Wyoming. Yes. Uh, they, I've heard Wyoming has like three thousand cases. But, um, but yeah, thanks for coming on again, dude. We just, you know, obviously everyone just want to talk about the quarantine and the state of comedy. Everything sucks right now, but I think it's making us more creative, maybe more innovative. It, it's really like opened up, like, I've never realized how quickly like comedy or like live, live shows, any kind of, you know, musicians are fucked, restaurants, really everything that is in the service industry, how quickly it can go away. But yeah, I don't know. We just wanted to to hang around and talk a little bit about about what you've been doing and what you think you know the future holds. If this will be like a if this could somehow have a massive effect on us like forever after this, really, you know, if if it could ever go away or if it ever could stay like this for a really long time, you know, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I think uh, 
Unfortunately, I do think that there will be lasting implications for the comedy industry uh, and, and, and broader live concert gathering venues, all that shit uh, as well. I mean, if you think about it, like everyone's going to be much more wary of spreading germs and their proximity to other people and all of that. And the nature of comedy was built on the idea of cramming as many people as possible into a small space. The best comedy clubs are ones that have low ceilings and where every t every seat and every table is as rammed and as uncomfortable as possible. And that business model is not going to hold up even once everyone gets the, the green light. You know, the, the, the flip side argument is that people are going to be so stir crazy to get out that they're going to be excited to get back out there. But I just, I don't know. I think there's going to have to be sort of a restructuring of how we understand comedy clubs, whether the tables are farther apart or the capacities are lower. Um, and I just don't know that like people are going to be rushing back to that. I don't know that people are going to be rushing back to movie theaters, musical concerts, stand-up comedy shows, you know, gyms. I, I, I just, I just have to have to think that we're all going to be fearful of this or another version of this somewhere down the road because this has been so so shitty. What do you think the movement is like? Do you think everyone's going to be on YouTube? Is it the comedian becoming the new media personality like a Rogan, Theo Vaughn, Schultz? Is it like some of like, well, you got to keep creating content, you know, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly. You know, it's funny. You, you look at, there are a lot of stand-up comedians I know in New York who, who lived for 7 to 10 PM, 7 to 11 PM. Like that was the entire part. That was their day. And when they didn't have, now that they don't have spots, you know, a lot of those comedians, what are they doing? Well, they're not, they're not writing books or learning how to paint. They're not writing screenplays. They're just watching TV right now. And then it makes you realize, well, like those people weren't really wired to succeed anyway. You have to be more adaptable than that. And I think I look at comedy as sort of, uh, if you compare it to like practicing to basketball, right? Let's say that stand-up is your dribbling and, you know, writing is your three-point shooting. I mean, every there's, every there's different disciplines within it. And just because you've been shut off from dribbling doesn't mean that you can't become a good perimeter shooter or, or try to flex these different muscles. Um, and so I think that the people who are willing to accept that, like, they're not strict stand-ups anymore, but that they can attack comedy from the different languages that it's spoken in uh, are going to be a lot more successful right now than, than others. So you got to be like multifaceted with multiple things within comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there, there were used to be this kind of weird elitism of like, you know, I just do stand up or sometimes people would even, kind of frown upon people that had gone to do other things and I, that you know it's kind of like this puritan vibe about what it meant to be a, a you know a comics comic yeah and 
at the end of the day, if you actually want to succeed in comedy right now, you better find another way to make money because we're not getting paid through stand-up anytime soon. I was making the argument with a friend who's like a purist in a way. And I was like, someone told me who's like outside of comedy, like they don't go to comedy shows like because they saw someone at the comedy club. It's more or less they saw some free content on social media and then it made him go there. And then they, totally. were, also, they were also saying that like, Dave Chappelle would have social media like back in the day to make it. So would Chris Rock. It's different times. They didn't have social media then. You do whatever it takes to get, uh, you know, amplified. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. And it'll be interesting to see if this persists for a while, what people like Dave Chappelle will end up doing. Nate Bargatze, people who have not, Aziz, I'm sorry, they're not, they're not big on social media. They don't even have it. They have the luxury of not needing it. Yeah, Pete um, Yeah, because their their shows sell out so quickly just from like the local newspaper announcing that they're coming to town. Yeah. Um, but how are those guys gonna gonna stay at the fore of this of this uh, this industry? It's also you like sit there and just write and don't put anything out. It's like you want to put your creative stuff out too find a way yeah exactly yeah i thought i i wonder you know how many pages of notebooks is mark norman gonna <laughs> out of this with because a lot of people are not gonna have anything and also i was talking to my buddy shane uh shane gillis and we were you know it's like where are you gonna pick up when we do get back on stage are you are you gonna be going back to your old jokes are we just going to have to follow six other comedians who did eight minute sets about what quarantine was like? And he was like, yep, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be quarantine jokes, Tiger King jokes. And you're just like, oh, that's going to suck. <laughs> it's going to suck to listen to. Uh, Francis, to play devil's advocate, do you feel like there's room for everyone though? Like, you see a lot of big names on social media take over with IG lives and content. Like how can an up and comer make a name for himself? It's almost like you go in there, you see you, you only have like 35 viewers. You're like, Oh, fuck this. Yeah. But dude, you know, there's no reason that 35 viewers couldn't turn into 50 couldn't then turn into yeah. 70. I mean, it, it, you're playing for the same stakes. Like the, all those people that have a hundred thousand people watching them live had they been you know had had social media or whatever been around when they were they would have started out with 50 followers um and if you think about it this way like all right if you walked into a bar show in the lower east side and there were 35 people there watching you'd be like great let's have a great set that's 35 people who are willing to listen and watch what you have to do yeah, I mean, if you go on Instagram Live and only like like that, we've all faced those shows. We've all done shows for four people, six people, um, and you just have to kind of crush it for however many people are watching. Just because you don't have a hundred thousand people watching doesn't mean it's not worth trying to perform or entertain. You know, you talked Mark Norman recently. He did something cool where he was interviewing people on the streets uh, pre-corona, but about coronavirus, which was a good concept creative yeah he was uh he was telling jokes out in the streets i thought that was a very funny video but he you know that mark could have done that regardless of the, if there were you know yeah the virus i think that was a very good example unfortunately you can't really do that right now i don't think you can 
go try yeah. to do man on the street stuff. He's um, a good example though, of a guy who's old school comedy, but now he realizes the power of social media and the power of the LA comedy community and the podcasting. And he's putting stuff out on the internet. Totally. Yeah. I worry about Mark. He's like, <laughs> well, I, he's like the one guy I worry about just because I think that doing spots, I mean, he is the thirstiest spot doer I've ever that. met. This <laughs> guy, you know, he, place. Oh, yeah, he bought some... like a moped so that he could, you know, get to his seven spots a night every night for 10 straight years. And so I just, to have that valve shut off for him, I think would affect him so much more than, you know, a guy like me who was doing seven spots a week <laughs> instead of 40. But how do you how do you still get booked for stuff like Skankfest and all these other great venues and stuff? I mean, you're a good stand-up comedian, but it's like you said, you don't go up as much as a Mark Norman or someone like that. Is it more about networking and talent, or is what's the deal with that? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I uh, I know the Skankfest guys, or the I know Legion of Skanks guys. I've done that podcast, um, and I mentioned to Lewis one night that I would love to do Skankfest and that was kind of the end of that. I, uh, you know, for the bigger, like the more, like I'm doing moon tower this year and that was something I really wanted to do. And I was very excited when I got it, but I had to submit a tape and I had to get my agent to kind of make a call. And I guess it all just comes from being doing this long enough that you build a following and, you know, hone your act enough that when you're ready to be in front of these festivals and stuff that they'll say, yeah, okay. We'd like that person. I heard some, I was, I was like listening to something recently where they were talking about people who need to maybe like guys who crank out a bunch of jokes all the time. who need to go on stage like six times a night compared to some, some people who are maybe like slower form or developed slower with like stories who feel better going on like less times a night so they can really hone like a story or whatever. And I feel like that might be more of like you or, or like somebody who, who, you know, who tells a lot of stories and sometimes it's beneficial rather than going up like six times a night doing the exact same thing to, to yeah. make sure, you know, because it, it's, a, it's a lot, a lot, uh, you know, something goes in a lot differently into like a, a long form story set than like a joke, joke, joke set. So like just because someone goes up less doesn't mean they're like, you know, different. They're, di they're way different, but like it could have the same benefits as someone who goes up a bunch of times. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there's this dick measuring contest in stand up in New York of, you know, how many times a week are you getting up? That's the, it's that question. And then it's how long have you been doing it, which is like the way that every comedian in New York tries to get a, a read on how, whether or not they should respect somebody. And uh, I, I, I've, I've done weeks where I've gotten up you know, 15, 20 times. And then I've done weeks where I've gotten up three times. And I think that depending on how, how you prepare for your spots and how diligent you are about trying new stuff and going back and listening to the sets that you did, there's no reason that that three spot week is not more valuable than the 21 spot week. Um, I, I've, for me, five sets a week, five to, to seven or eight is, is plenty. It's plenty for me to progress at and work on material um, as much as possible. And then, you know, there's a lot to be said about going on the road on the weekend. Um, 
like if you if you go headline and you get two you know you get four 50 minute spots on the weekend to friday to saturday like i get more from that than i do from a whole week of spots so but that's kind of you know that's a luxury for sure how can you tell you evolve through those periods? Like you said, some nights people go up 15 times, other times five. Like, like you said, it depends what's meaningful to that comedian. But I feel like you could get, you go up five times, get on a couple of podcasts that week, cram out a lot of content and get more productive than you would if you went up somewhere like 20 times and did nothing else. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that you get from going up a ton is a, a lever, level of comfortability yeah. Uh, which can't really be replicated with, with fewer spots. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, you know, knowing how to deal with hecklers, knowing how to go to crowd work if you need it, knowing, you know, that different crowds react to different material, um, when to switch to a different joke and all of that. That comes from just doing reps constantly, just knowing uh, what to throw out in certain situations. But as far as honing your, your material goes and coming out with killer material, it's like, you know, I, I don't know that just going up every night and doing your same set four times in a row is really going to make you that much better of a comedian. Mm. Well, has there been like any, like, not to go back to little corn or anything, but like amongst like your you know, your comic friends like Shane's or Norman's or whoever, or like your, your personal friends, your family, like, have you guys been talking about like what this could mean? Like, what if you guys, what if, what if people who like, like road comics can't go on the road again for like 2021? Like, That's is anyone like talk to you like nervously or like really worried about the future or they're kind of just like waiting to see when it pass, like let it pass and then see what happens? Uh, I don't think we've reached that doomsday conversation yet um i had a conversation with aaron berg about it and aaron said look if it's over i had a good run he <laughs> said you know i i was able to live on comedy for 10 years um you know, he's played theaters, he's recorded albums, he shot that really cool documentary about all the spots he did that one night. Uh, and he said, if this is it, and I need to retire to the countryside with my daughter and my wife, like, I've had a good run. And that rewired my thinking. Um, yes, we all have so much left that we want to prove and we have milestones and check marks that we want to hit. Um, but if this period of my life where I was a stand-up comedian is no longer available to me because of a pandemic, Unreal. I will look back on the fact that I headlined the Wilbur theater twice and shot a special and, you know, sold out Gotham and, and just had a phenomenally fun time being a stand-up comedian in my twenties and early thirties. And, you know, if it means that after this, I have to become a, who knows? Uh, I, I can live with that. You know what I mean? Did you perform in China ever? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did, I did two sets um, at Kung Fu Comedy. <laughs> and one was this like joking set with my buddy uh, Donnie from Barstool, who 
where he translated my act to the Chinese audience, but just made fun of me the whole time. And then the other one I did like the English night, because there's so many expats that live in Shanghai. Yeah. And so they all come out to the English language. What was crazy was like on the, on the English language show, you can say whatever you want, but for the Chinese night shows, like with the Chinese audiences, uh, they check your act beforehand really? to make sure you're not saying anything that's like anti-government. Wow. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much tighter, but if you're just like an American there performing for English and Dutch people, you can be like, fuck China, <laughs> fuck the communist government. Like and it's crazy. They don't care. We, we were talking a little bit off air, like things you learned during the quarantine, but what do you think like an important piece you learned to the quarantine so far? I think I learned, like, I already knew it though. Cause like, I see you guys, I see you like doing it through bro Bible, through barstool back in the day. It's pretty much, you, I don't, th- I don't think you could be a one dimensional comedian anymore. Like if you're just doing the stand up comedy, I feel like you got to do other stuff, whether it be a podcast, video content, like anything really. And I feel like if you're talented on stage, you could be able to do all these things. Cause I see a lot of people, who will be on Instagram like famous as social media comedians, but they're not great at all on stage, not to knock them or hate on them at all. It just, I see like a lot of talent not being used like in other uh, avenues. Yeah. I'll take this in a different direction though. I would say that what I've learned from this is, you know, the, how much better I feel when I wake up early and go to bed kind of early and have a structure like we I'm I'm here with my girlfriend and we've really like we can't stay awake past 10 45 anymore (laughs) (laughs) and it's because we're waking up at 7 45 and I I love waking up at 7 45 now and from eight till nine I have my coffee and I read a book which is awesome and like, you know how fun it is, how nice it is to read? And it's because I don't have anything else to do. And then from like nine till five, I, I write for Bro Bible at, at lunch. We make a nice lunch. I go for a walk with the dog outside up the driveway. And then, uh, you know, at five to 6 p.m., I like go for a run or I Peloton on my parents' Peloton and Killing it. You start, you start to enjoy things you didn't expect yourself to enjoy until That's you real. were like 55 years old. That's real. Um, like, like having a glass of wine to signify the end of the day or, uh, you know, going, going for walks. Like I like going, I never liked going for walks. I, I like going for walks now. Yeah, that's pretty funny because my friend who's a comedian was like, you know, it's going to be hard to get material out now because I'm not doing anything besides sitting home. But it's like what you make it, like you said, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're just waking up at 11, crawling out of bed, you know, fucking around on your phone for two hours and then going to watch four straight episodes of, you know, Breaking Bad for the third time. And then you, you know, you finally get around to firing off a tweet and then it's like you just smoke weed and eat dinner and then watch more TV and pass out at two in the morning. Like, yeah, you're fucking stuck. (laughs) you're not doing anything you know you've basically taken the quarantine has defeated you that's the case you've lost when you post tweets about your girlfriend not giving you booty uh do you not get laid for a week after and like does your family get mad when your grandma's in the joke about dying (laughs) (laughs) my family doesn't follow me on social media fortunately (laughs) 
Um, <clears throat> but my girlfriend has a very good sense of humor. She's been like just totally upbeat and, and, and able to laugh at kind of any joke that I have that includes her. But I also think my humor has evolved a lot. She and I have been dating for over a year and a half now. And right. even since we started dating, it went from like, you know, kind of low hanging fruit, like my girlfriend bugs me jokes to like actually being more honest about <laughs> my relationship and the experiences we have. And it got a lot, I think it got a lot funnier. And, and uh, so, especially since now I'm not like insulting her in the comedy, uh, she tends to think it's funnier and is, is always on board. Yeah. I got a funny story, actually. This girl that I hung out with pre-quarantine went to the, what is it? The Girls Gotta Eat podcast? Yeah. So you, were yeah. Doing, you were there. She was in the front row and you were playing piano and songs and everything like that. And she loved yeah. you. And like, she brought your name up. I'm like, wait, I interviewed him. I know him kind of. And it was funny. And I was hanging out at a pre-quarantine. She's a nurse though on the front line. So I've hung out with her since. Don't want to get Corona. But hang on, is that your girlfriend or someone? Not my girlfriend, dating? but it was a girl that like, I hung out with, and we started talking comedy. And like, yeah. I didn't think she was a comedy fan at all, and I didn't bring it up. And she started talking about how she's a fan of Girls Got to Eat. Her sister got mm -hmm. her into it, and then all of a sudden, she likes your comedy and uh, Crystal, uh, Crystal Lee and DeStefano, people like that, and got into comedy. Yeah. And she liked how you were playing the piano doing comedy, and like she likes all your shit and like follows you. Oh, give hilarious. her my best. I hope it works out between you two. Yeah, I hope so too. I haven't hung out with her since, though. I don't want to get the Rona. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't hang out with her. Not now. What are the odds? Yeah. But shout out to the people on the front lines. I thought you would like that story. It, I guess That's it was good. a show in New York City recently, pre-Corona. Yeah, they were at a town hall. It was pretty yeah. sweet. Their Christmas yeah. shows. They sold them both out, and I came out for ten minutes at like halftime, and uh, they were doing like an outfit change, and I had this big grand piano and got to play some songs and then they came back out super fun super yeah. fun. and then you were on schultz's live doing the piano too that was funny i saw that well, oh yeah i did his corona has got talent <laughs> thing that's a Eight, good concept I mean, <laughs> it is a very good concept yeah is he not he's not doing it anymore right i don't know I but seen has, have you days. seen his new studio he's going hard every day i've i've been there um how sick is that it's pretty cool and you know his camera equipment is just insane that's what i'm saying you look amazing. at his lighting. He's so maniacal about lighting and framing and the look and the sound. And, you know, he's just operating on on a different level in terms of the expectations for, for all of that. Um, yeah, it's crazy. He's got Charlemagne in the view looking like really shitty. And then his side is like 4K HD. <laughs> like when they're doing like these podcasts for Zoom. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what comes when you, you invest in yourself. And that's always been his model uh, is that most of the money he makes, he just invests back into his own career. Do you believe yeah. in that? Like, does, do, you, do you see that? And like, that's a good model. I think it I think it becomes something you can do once you achieve a certain level of success. I don't think that uh you know you can really invest in yourself until you're able to cover your rent and you know your basic shit in life. Um but you know Schultz's been fucking getting paid this past year. He he did really well. So he has the ability to employ two or three people as full-time employees on his team to just like you know edit and shoot and and kind of be part of his team not to compare you guys but i kind of see like you evolving like that getting successful like that all the guys that i really look up to that i want to get up to the next step 
are 36. And I just turned 31. So like Schultz to Stefano, uh, you know, the level that they're at is where I would like to be when I, in five years. Is, is it all about the reps and the years you think like the age wise or like, cause like there's people who are younger doing it older, you know, Joey. Diaz yeah. There, there, you know, you've got a couple sort of outliers like uh, Pete Davidson, obviously yeah, yeah. blew up really young, um, but he'd been doing, he started doing it when he was 15 and he was doing it like crazy. the way that we do it yeah. when he was 15 years old. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and so I think that, yes, it, you can't really escape the, the, the necessity of putting in the time. But just because you've put in the time doesn't mean you're going to succeed. And that's the biggest thing I've seen is that there are guys I know who have done it for 10, 15 years, and they're pissed off because they thought it was like going to school, that if you just stayed in it long enough, you would get – to that point it's like no you got to take risks you got to evolve you got to find ways to be different um yeah definitely what your podcast though it's you have good clips like you were saying like you don't have certain stuff like it's clear as day and the captions are good the whole doing the captions to pain the ass we do them ourselves takes forever yeah fortunately we have a producer who who does it for us who's the best um but our podcast we, we you know it, it's been great uh we were seeing real growth and we're, we're able to make some, some money from it now and pay, certainly pay our producer from it. So, uh, but before we even started, I knew that having good camera equipment and a, a studio and the best sound and all that was, I didn't want to have to like grow into that. Um, so we kind of started from day one with really good gear and then have since paid it off and are now, you know, making gravy, which is a good feeling. Gotcha. And I know you got to go soon. Uh, I wanted to just say, Zap, you got any questions? No, I guess. Oh, yeah. I saw I saw a growth with your podcast, I feel like, quickly. I, and now you said you're able to make money off of it, and that can be so beneficial, obviously, now, um, you know, along with Bro Bible, et cetera. But um, have you – have you – has, do you know do you know if anyone's been turned on to you personally because of the podcast? Like, didn't even know your comedy, really? Yeah. Come about? I think I think so. I, I know that certainly um, I, I'm I'm very good friends with the girls. Got to eat girls, and I work with Ashley a lot. She and I are kind of partners on producing a show at the Stand every month. And uh, when I, I've appeared with them so much that some of their fans have come over, awesome. become fans of our podcast, and then now I'll get people who come to my shows on the road, and they're like, yeah, I first heard you on Girls Gotta Eat, then I became a big fan of your podcast, and some of them don't even know that I worked at Barstool, which, you know, right. for many years was like how I was kind of known. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's no reason you can't rebrand yourself and, and, and offer different funnels for people to find your work that's something schultz always talks about it's like you've got to have a funnel for people to find your work and then be able to find more of your work based off of that he's so fucking right like for you like being on joe rogan podcast would be huge is that something you would look forward to oh yeah for sure i mean not for nothing i i i like love the podcast i i i just think that you know a lot of my 
guiding principles in life have come from clips that I've watched of him. Like he's reframed my thinking. I, I, I feel silly admitting it. You know, it feels no, kind of like same here. fratty, but no, it's been good though. Yeah. yeah. Like the philosophies that he espouses and especially in dealing with, with haters and trolls on the internet, you know, the one thing that I have, oh, that has always stuck with me because the Barstool audience was just ruthless and, yeah you know, would make you feel so shitty about yourself and no matter what you put out. Uh, you could put out the best piece of work the company's ever put out and there's always going to be at least 20 people being like, you suck, fuck you, you know, whatever. And Rogan said in a clip once, and I've watched it probably a hundred times, he said, uh, look, life is hard. Uh, you could have a shitty job, bad genetics, bad marriage you could be in pain making very little money uh so many things could go wrong but you've got a keyboard and you've got the internet and you can go on there and take your anger out on these people who have it better than you and instead of resenting trolls it made me sympathize with them and every time now that somebody just shits on me or gets or says something that would you know normal used to make me feel really bad, I just try to feel kind of bad for them. And it's true. It doesn't make me a good person because let's be honest, that makes me feel like I'm better than those people if I'm feeling bad for them. But it just sort of reframes your thinking. You're like that person's probably dealing with some shit that I haven't had to deal with because I've never been the guy to go on. Chris D'Elia's Instagram be like, this is not funny. Fuck you. I, I've never gone to a restaurant and left and then logged on to Yelp and been like, this place sucks. <laughs> That's just not how I'm wired. I don't care enough. I move yeah. on. They got some going on their own lives, but at the same time, they're watching your content. Like Gary, not to like get all preachy, but Gary V says the haters who are on your YouTube comments saying your production sucks or you suck. They took the time to fucking listen or watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And totally. The Howard Stern effect, you need haters. A lot of people listen because they want to hear what he said, want to say next because they were haters. Right. That's so like the same right. shit. No, but yeah. I appreciate you taking time with us. Any last Well, you guys are doing great stuff. I, I've So many amazing comedians have done your podcast and uh, appreciate you guys having me on again. It's a blast to see you. Tom, are you all right? You've been pretty quiet. I'm worried about That's you. That's what I'm asking. Tom. Oh, no, I'm all right. I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> I'm not one of those guys who can crash at 10:45. I would love to have that problem. I'm the I'm the guy going to sleep at two. Yeah, well, you gotta start working, working, chipping away at that. You know, tonight right. go to bed at one, and then tomorrow go to bed <laughs> at midnight. Next thing you know, you'll be you'll be a regular human again. I played on Pornhub. I'm up late yeah. on Pornhub. Yeah, those views are up. Now, dude, you thank you for saying that, man. We appreciate you for for coming on so easily and gracefully. You know, obviously it's tough times, but it means a lot when when we could have a, you know a successful comic on and and ask them whatever, and they have great answers and are, and are very very talkative. It really really means everything to us. And thanks for the compliments. Um, we don't want to keep you. So this is Francis Ellis from Bro Bible. Follow his podcast, Oops the Podcast. Subscribe. It's funny and it's original. And, and thanks, dude. You know. Hey, my up. pleasure. Tom, Mike, you guys yeah. are the best. Keep on keep keeping Thank on. You. Thanks a lot, dude. Thank Appreciate you, it, man. You got it. Talk All right, soon. stay safe. Have Later. a good one. Thank you so much. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Yeah. Are you guys okay? Are you good? I, feel, I, I was yeah, a little worried about you there, Tom. I'm good. He's okay. always depressed.
Yeah. Good. That's <laughs> the first step to being a successful comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Francis. You got it, guys. I'll talk to you Better soon. Do. Thanks for See having me. See ya. He's so nice. Yo, keep it basement. Keep it basement. Back at it, baby, with the bang bangers. Nigga, shut your ass up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck, man. You are listening to Keep It in the Basement, like most Italians. If you're not Italian, keep it there anyway. Well, that's cool, because you're a fan. I'm a fan, too. You know what I'm saying? And I think, to me, fans make the best interviewers. You know what I mean? Like, Because we're asking the questions from a fan perspective. When you're a true fan... And, you follow the artist and you study your artist and you know an artist's music, you know an artist's background, you know the questions, the right questions to ask because you're asking questions from a fan perspective. And not only that, the reason you said that you're able to talk to uh, your favorite artist for an hour, it's not that you're able to talk to them for an hour, it's you're able to listen to them for an hour. It's a yeah. difference. See, a lot of interviewers don't listen. See, I'm a listener. Like, yeah. like a lot of interviewers I have 20 questions and all they want to do is get through those 20 questions but the yeah. truth of the matter is if you ask me a question if I ask an artist a question and an artist answers me if I'm listening I'm probably going to get something else out of his answer that I want to ask him and that's what a conversation is all about hello hello Sipes hey, what's, hey, what's going on this is Mike Sweeney Sweeney what's up dude Mike Sweeney got it what keep it what radio basement Keep it basement, like keep it, like keep it in the house. Keep it yeah. basement radio. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Uh, hey, what's going on? It's your boy Lil Dicky. Shout out Mike Sweeney, Swain, and Keep It Basement Radio. What's up, guys? This is Mickey Gall. You're listening to Keep It Basement. Keep it basement. You are tuned in. <laughs> you are tuned in to the Keep It Basement podcast with your boy Swede. Y'all heard? What up, Sween? Now tune to motherfucking Derelict. Keep it basement with the Sweens. That's the name of the podcast. Keep it basement with the Sweens. Keep it basement. We out? Welcome the newest sponsor of the podcast, Fleshlight. Fleshlight is the number one male sex toy in the world with its soft, real feel insert patented to be so lifelike that many have proclaimed it feels better than the real thing. While there is no substitute for a real woman, amazing inner textures and over 100 possible combinations to choose from, we all have to work a little harder to keep up. Fleshlights offer an adjustable cap to control the desired suction level you prefer, as well as a channeled sleeve, able to stretch in order to accommodate the repeated discomfort of your girth. Easy to clean and durable, Fleshlight is your number one choice brand for male sex toys. Fleshlight also offers flesh skins, sleeves, anal toys, and accessories, including lube, mounts, cases, sleeve warmers, vibrators, and more. For more information, search Fleshlight on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit www.fleshlight.com. This is the Keep It Basin Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe to us, also on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes Music, Laughable, and wherever else you could listen to us and view us. Thank you for tuning in. Keep It Basement is brought to you by Promescent. Promescent is a safe, proven, effective, lasting longer spray that can delay ejaculation and let men enjoy lovemaking in a way that they didn't know was possible. Promescent isn't just a spray to help you last longer in bed. It's a way to slow down the clock, giving you more time to play, more time to explore, and more time to discover new levels of intimacy with your partner. The primary benefit of using Promescent is that it is a local therapy and you won't have the risk of experiencing side effects like you would with an oral supplement. Simple and easy to use, just spray on the underside of the head of your penis and some on the underside shaft as well. Apply three or more sprays, but no more than ten and rub in. Wait five to ten minutes until it is fully absorbed into your skin. Don't forget to wash off the spray before engaging in sexual intercourse. 
Promescent offers spray, lubricant, condoms, and Betaflux, an erectile dysfunction pill, and offers free shipping on U.S. orders over $10. Follow Promescent on Instagram or visit Promescent.com for more information. This is the Keep It Basin Podcast. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Laughable, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can listen to us at. And also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Keep It Basement. And check the YouTube page out, Keep It Basement YouTube, for more interviews and content coming your way. Thank you for listening. Check out dankstop.com. We have the biggest selection of bongs, vaporizers, accessories, anything that you're looking for in the smoking industry. Use promo code BEAWESOME. That's B-E-AWESOME, A-W-E-S-O-M-E. Uh, one word, put it together, no spaces. That's for 15% off. Check us out. Uh, stay tuned for a giveaway that we're doing with Keep It Basement. Shout out Keep It Basement. You guys were awesome. And hopefully we speak again soon. Thank you, Louie. Shout out to Dank. Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey Champs. <laughs> Sam. I'm not looking at you. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yo, this is Sean Kelly, founder of Jersey Champs, and you're listening to Keep It Basement. Uh, oh, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that basically... Uh, Mike Sweeney, the head president CEO of Keep It Basement, fully admitted. At least you know it. Keep it fucking moving. Um, Porn sex, it's like 45 minutes an hour, but like real sex is like 20 minutes. Well, maybe for me, I guess. Try like three or four hours. Hour and 45 minutes? What the fuck? It's four hours. Any words of wisdom here? Always use a condom, and if you don't use a condom, make sure you got like really strong pull-out game, okay? <laughs> pull-out game week. Yeah, wear a condom. Are you nuts? I have two hairless cats. I want to. Can you get laid whenever with a bunch of options? How thirsty are your DMs? It's pretty lit. I ain't got Instagram. I don't got tweeters. I don't got nothing. A younger guy pick up a, a woman who's older than him. That's a really great question. How could I approach you and take you back to my room if we were sitting at a bar? You ask too many fucking questions. Don't ask no fucking questions. Plus, do funny guys get laid more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Would you date a uh, guy with a small penis? Like, how small? <laughs> How's, how big's your penis? Like, four inches. How funny are you? Then you put that video on fucking Worldstar. I hit the thing, it's YouTube. Fuck me up more. I'm sick of it. Stay down the cellar and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Keep it basement podcast Keep description. Find Keep it basement with the Sweens wherever you get your podcast with host Tom Zappia and Alex Nicholas. Please make that a permanent drop <laughs> in every episode. I scold them myself. Keep it basement podcast. We out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Stealth Mode Motorsports, sir. It's a fucking read-through. What am I supposed to be? Act interested. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Stealth Mode Motorsports. Yeah. Stealth Mode Motorsports serves worldwide motorcycle enthusiasts, racers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and custom builders with the highest quality. Quality OEM parts for Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, and Ducati. Super sport motorcycle models. We buy and sell used motorcycles as well. Based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, StealthModeBikes.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Stealth Mode Motorsports. Need an engine for a car? We supply engines to race teams all over the world. Lay your bike down and don't want to pay dealer pricing? Contact us for a fraction of dealer prices. Specializing in Yamaha R1 and R6, GSXR 650,000, ZX6R, ZX10R, and CBR1000RR late model years. All current inventory can be found on our eBay store at ebay.com slash str slash stealth mode motorsports. Check them out. What do you want to do? You want to go to the shitbag comedy show and then maybe try to roll through stress? Guys, follow your dreams and listen to Keep It Basement Rate Subscribe. Thanks, guys. Peace. Masturbate if all else fails. Peace. You don't like it? Fuck it. You get on a plane, fly home. That's it. Take a chance. Four minutes at the the, the, the comedy club in New Brunswick. Four minutes. Might turn into a a spot on a Jimmy Kimball Tonight Show. You never know. You got to try it. 
You just can't stay on a safe route because then you're going to end up being kind of bitter when you get older. That you didn't take no chances. That's it. That's my view on things.